Do you have a comment or question about anything said here on the podcast? Well, now you can tell us. We've got an official Twitter account. Just go to twitter.com and look for The MacGuffin Pod. And feel free to send us fun GIFs as well. We love that. And yes, I did just say GIFs and not GIFs. It's called The MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From L.A., The MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. Okay, let's talk Knock Down a House, which is currently available on Netflix. Uh, this is directed by Rachel Lears, and uh, it's a documentary focusing on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, now Democrat New York, also known as AOC, and three other female candidates in the Democratic Party as they run for a seat in Congress against powerful incumbents in the 2018 midterm elections. Um, okay, so I'm supposed to throw this over. I'm going to give this to Walter first. Walter, I understand you're not that huge a fan of AOC. No, and this actually made me less of a fan of <laughs> AOC. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this, okay, first of all, I have to, I have to uh, proudly admit I'm not a big documentary person. Uh, I, I always think that documentaries, they have an agenda, and and I think people, the overall like perception of documentaries is that, oh, it's true. Everything in there is true, but that's not always necessarily the case. It's what the director wants you to believe is true. Um, but having said that, this one, I would have... My problem with uh, Knock Down the House... Is that what it's called? Knock Down the House? Uh, my yeah. problem with it is, is that they didn't follow the other candidates enough. I know they didn't win, but I would have liked to have seen equal kind of um, an equal portrayal uh, of all of them. But this one seemed more like the AOC show. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, there's also these other candidates. And so they just seemed to me more like a kind of like we just there's oh, we're just throwing them in. We're there. They're, they're, they're there. I would have liked to have seen them more. And so that at the end, when they didn't win, you feel some sympathy th- towards them. But I didn't know. I didn't feel like I knew them enough to feel any sympathy. I think the one from Vegas, the white lady from Vegas, was like bawling. And I just saw it and I was like, eh. Oh, Amy Valella. Is that, yeah, who it is? Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, eh. But if I knew her more, I think I would have been more sympathetic and been like, oh, that sucks. Because you remember the documentary Hoop Dreams? They followed. Oh, they, yes. They followed I do. We both will kids. talk about that. Yeah, they followed both <laughs> kids the whole time. And you felt for them through their ups and downs. You, you, you were with them. But here I felt like it was more the AOC show. Um, the one cool thing is, though, yeah, I did uh, learn uh, more and solidified my stance in that I just really do not like her. Hmm. Is it just her vibe? It's, it's just. She's not dumb, for sure. Oh, and yeah, she is yeah. savvy. But I feel like she is reaching and she doesn't quite understand that she's reaching. Or maybe she knows that she's convinced herself that she's not reaching. But she needs people around her that are, are smarter than her that can advise her. Then I think she'll, she'll kind of come to a nice little equilibrium. But right now, she just thinks that she's like the smartest person in the room when she's not even close. Like not even close. And so God, this I, is East Coast, West Coast, man. Probably this is, yeah. this is New York, LA, man. Yeah, and then <laughs> so watching her, I because I you know I seen her in interviews and whatnot, but like watching her like in her daily life, is, I was like, it just made me cringe more. Like just watching her and thinking like, yo, like you need to just chill, just and be. That's so interesting because I had the total opposite effect. It had the opposite effect on me. Not that it made me like fall in love with her, uh-huh. but it was just like watching her in interviews. Um, I just kind of thought like, okay, all right, like who's this chick who knows everything and, um, kind of pulling the curtain back and seeing like, oh, there is, you know, they're, they show that there is this team behind her, um, kind of made me go, okay, all right. It like helped me humanize her a little bit and like, not so much with like just pure like sympathy, but I was like, okay, there is like a a machine behind this, Mm -hmm. you know, she's not like... I don't believe it like that there truly is like a grassroots movement that can get this far. Like there's a machine behind it and yeah, that's yeah, fine yeah. because that's the reality of it and that's what has to happen. But like it helped me, you know, pull the veil back and mm-hmm. see the, the man behind the curtain or the woman behind the curtain, women yeah. behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but is it my turn now? 
<laughs> okay, I've just introduced myself. Um, I thought that this, <laughs> I, uh, I just butted in. I'm sorry if I stole the mic. No, no. Like Bruce just said, oh, gee, not I thought, to do. I thought that was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. shoot. Um, so I, you know, I always say that I'm not like the hugest doc fan either. Like I don't watch a ton of documentaries, but then when I find myself at dinner parties in a conversation about documentaries, it turns out that I do watch more than the average person. (laughs) So, you know, it's all relative. I thought that this, um, documentaries is hard for me the way it is for you because it's like, it's pitched as this, you know, objective thing. Like, you know, we don't have a stance on like we don't have an opinion on this and it's objective and the director is going in and being like this is the story as it is here are the facts and everything but the reality is like filmmaking can't really be objective Mm -hmm. like by definition like you have to take a point of view or else it's going to be all over the place um i have seen some documentaries where that feel more objective than others so it's like you know it's possible to be less partial but the reality is, is you have to it's it's hard to be unbiased when you're making a documentary. So like I kind of just have to. I realize I have to p- just put that aside when I am mm-hmm. watching documentaries. I just I'm not gonna just stop watching documentaries. Um, I thought the my my favorite part of this was kind of watching AOC prep for going up against Joe Crowley, who's a longstanding um, incumbent basically, and just kind of seeing her tell herself like, okay, take up space, take up space in the room, because it's the reality is is. A lot of times that's what women have to do, especially if you're like in a room full of men, like you have to tell yourself, like I have, my opinion is worth just as much as these guys in the room with me. And it's a weird reality, but in my experience, that's pretty true. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I had, um, I thought it was, yeah, it was a well-made documentary. It felt a little bit almost too polished and it's hard because it's about politics and I get very wary about that sort of thing. Um, but I'm just gonna go with it as like a storytelling form and say that it was it had great story arcs and it was very sensational and everything. I will say it was like a little bit too polished, which scared me a little bit. But I'm like, you know, not gonna dive too much into that. But those are my opinions. <laughs> wow. Well, gee, I'm happy I get to introduce a third completely different opinion. <laughs> Yay. Um, I'm gonna do the full disclosure thing. I hate politicians and i hate politics really they can't get far enough left for me any of these guys okay (laughs) on the other hand i love ocasio cortez she's one of my favorite politicians of all time already just love what she says love what she does and i really love um electoral politics i think elections are awesome i think elections are like sports but without you know the ball you know it's all about strategies and it's all about you know what that guy said and what he did in the last debate and stuff oh, i love i love this stuff okay for that reason i was really quite disappointed with this film i wanted a lot more excitement i wanted i mean you know the legend about this is that you know and and rachel just talked about joe crowley joe crowley held that seat for 10 terms okay joe crowley is the head of the new york democratic caucus okay this is a powerful guy and the democratic party backed her not one whit when Mm -hmm. she was going against this guy because it's not in their interest for this guy to lose where was all that you know she legendarily walked door to door in brooklyn of course, because she's not getting any help from the Democratic Party. And she did that tweet where she hung up the sneakers that she wore, and you could see where the treads were, like, smooth on the bottom. Where was that? And the thing for me is it might have been well-produced and everything, but it's clear that it was just a production of the group that she was representing, right? I mean... Yeah, brand new Congress. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my impression is that this is just what they came up with Yes, I was after gonna... they started following these people around. And it's yeah. just like... I mean, I, if... And, and, of course, the other problem with making a documentary like this is we know what happened. Right? We yeah. know who yeah. won and lost. Yeah. And so, and so, but where was the drama, you know? I mean, I almost felt like they, they should have gone full AOC, mm-hmm. you know? They should have shown, like, much more of that, you know, um, because that was the headliner. That's what brought people to the table. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows these other people. Yeah. And as you said, they completely underdeveloped these yeah. other folks. So. I was kind of disappointed by this one. It was, it's so funny that you say that because, like, you were, when it came out, you were so excited about it. Oh, yeah. And I ha- wasn't sure thing. if you'd seen it yet. I love Quartet. But, like, 
Yeah, so the fact that you were extremely disappointed by it is, like, kind of not a surprise. I guess it was just like, oh, well, that's what ended up happening to that, like, podcast plot. You know, like, it's like... Is this is well, this your Roma? Well, you know, no, 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 no. It's it. Come on, it's come not. on, Rachel. Roma is everyone's Roma. Honey, <laughs> it's. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was just like, but I mean, the way that it was said. I mean, it. it I mean, again, it felt like a thing put together by the group. And then this is what they came up with. And Netflix is like, well, AOC is huge news right now. Let's put it up there. And, you know, I would be willing to bet that half the people who watch this thing are hate watching it. You know, because there's that whole, I mean, the whole right wing gives gives this girl, this woman more uh, publicity than the left does. For Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, the left isn't sure what to do with her because she's pretty much anti-Clinton. Yeah. You know, I mean, so... You know, so so I was disappointed in that respect. You know, it looked to me like an easy sell. You know, they did what they could with what they had, which wasn't much. And then, you know, they ran with it. But, you know, I like AOC so much. I'll watch almost anything. (laughs) Yeah, there was a point that you made where I was just like, oh, this is I forgot that I was going to mention this in my review, but it felt more like it was really a documentary about the new campaigning model. Yeah. With brand new Congress rather than these women. Something that I felt after watching it was like I was like this is it's it's too polished and clean and the characters are underdeveloped and um, not only that but it was just like these women you know their powerhouses on their own if we had seen more of them mm-hmm. you know as opposed to what I felt like was kind of like a, a narrative being sold it would have been more impactful for me. Yeah, I, I think for me like if if they. P- spent equal time on all the candidates and actually introduced them really well. Cause I, I remember, I think it was on the 15 or 20 minute mark. I was like, wait, is she part of her campaign? No, she's running. Like I, it, I just, I mm-hmm. got really like confused mm-hmm. as to who was who. And I think if they, they spent equal time on all of them and even, even if it was structured to be like, they had a Chiron, like, you know, yeah. AOC and then the, the other women, they, every time they came on, then it's like, okay, but they were like AOC for like 10 minutes and then the other ones like shared five minutes and then AOC for another 10 minutes and then the other ones shared like five minutes. And I thought, well, that's really unfair. And at the end when they didn't win, I was like, eh, like, you know, whatever. But I, I agree with you, Rachel. I think they did spend time on the campaign model. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when AOC was speaking to the one in Vegas, I was bawling out and she was like, you know what? A hundred people have to try for one to get through. Yeah. I was like, that is, you are one cold hearted I'm like, why would you say that? And I didn't. And the thing is, at that time, I don't know, because um, they didn't say did AOC already win or was yeah, she still yeah, waiting yeah. yet? See, that I don't see, know. Yeah. See, and that was the thing. Again, yeah. this is not made by a film production company because it just kind of ended, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> that's it. Wait a minute now. And, and and again, the pacing was bad. It didn't. There were no real peaks in the action. No. And I mean, come on. It's when she election shows up at the bar. Night. I thought that was like yeah, a, that was yeah. that was that nice. was that was a nice moment. Yeah, that was, that was a nice, nice moment thing. when she's talking about her dad sitting in front of the Capitol building. That's a nice moment. That, there, there, there are peaks and stuff, well, but it's just not paced the way no. you know it wasn't optimized. No, no, not at all. The not bar all. scene to me was like one of the few moments where I feel like she's she was being real. Like yeah. when she's with her boyfriend, which they don't really say it's her boyfriend. I didn't really realize it was her boyfriend until they kissed. And then uh, they said, I love you to each other. And I was like, oh, that's her boyfriend, I guess. Um, <laughs> like, that's like the only times I felt like she was real. The other times I, she, I think she puts on like, this brave front. And, and so like, but with that bar scene really like she came out and it was great that she came out. I got to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably like the one like honest moment where in, in that, in the whole film where I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of cool. It culminated in something. I thought the debate should have been a big deal, but yes. it wasn't. Yeah. Because Crowley just kind of yeah, flopped. Of like course. she was, they had her, they had the scene for her prepping for the debate was longer than the actual yeah. footage of the debate that they showed. And like Crowley, like they show him, and it's just like he didn't prepare for anything. Like he didn't, pre- it didn't seem like he pre- prepared for at all. And uh, I was just like, wow, I hope the debate's going to be awesome. But it was like, boop, and then you're, you're done. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That's I will it. say the scene where they where they showed Crowley had sent a woman to represent yes. him for the debate was very eye opening. A Latina and woman like, too. At yes, the <laughs> yes, that was eye opening yes. for me, and I was like, "That is so interesting and so." Ugh. 
And her answers. Our system. Her answers were yeah. amazing because they were the same answer for every question. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, because I, I love politics. I, I really love it. Um, I don't. When I say I love it, I don't mean like I think it's like. You love the, the drama. Of I love it. the drama. Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. The yeah. storylines, the plot lines, the strategies, the yes. battles, all that stuff is fantastic. You know, it's really interesting. And, to and me, there was none of this in here. No. <laughs> what, what I saw was a bunch of 20 year olds or people in their 20s believing they know what's best. Uh, and, and so that to me was humorous. Uh, what I thought, why AOC, I believe, won, it was a perfect storm of a lot of things. And, and this is where I believe she's savvy. Uh, it is. She rode that wave of, hey, this guy's been in office for X amount of years, and he hasn't done anything. He doesn't, he doesn't even, live. even live in town. Yeah, he doesn't even live in town. And you know what? I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to go door to door. I'm going to show people that I'm here for you. I live here. And and it was a time also in, in nationally where people wanted the, uh, the old suits, and they're out. And I thought that was a just perfect timing for her. Um, and it was great. And I just hope that if she, she continues – uh, with that kind of attitude, but with less, uh, I think she led with the crazy when she got in the office, which I feel like, hey, like reigning in a little bit, you know, not to be a mo- you don't have to be a moderate, but she led with the crazy, and I was like, oh, it's, it's wow. too much. Wow. <laughs> See, what you call crazy, I call radical, man. Yeah. Well, crazy Seriously. because I'm on the other end of the spectrum because I'm a Republican, uh, uh, politically. Not socially, but politically. And so, Wait, now, your guys were the ones that brought the dude with uh, Ronald Reagan riding a dinosaur in response to her bringing the crazy. So who's the crazy? <laughs> hey. You remember this, I don't, right? Yeah. I, 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 what, I, what I say about my party is this, is that we are old and crazy, <laughs> and we're, we're great at manipulating people into believing that you will one day become millionaires. You want to mm. take Joe Biden then? <laughs> <laughs> no. He's Take all, our Joe. He's please. all yours. He's all yours. I, I'm I'm hoping I, I, I'm at the point right now where I mean, I know this isn't a political podcast, but I, I'm hoping that either Sanders or uh, Elizabeth or uh, Yang, if, if they can come up, come up, that'd be great. Uh, just because our supreme leader right now, there's not enough Sharpies in the world. Well, the fact that you call him the supreme leader. Yeah. Still. <laughs> anyway, but for the doc, back to the documentary. Uh, yeah, this just further. Uh, supports my own policy of not liking documentaries <laughs> or AOC or AOC. It yes. just further supports me not liking politics in general. Mm. I can't handle the drama of it. A lot of it reminds me of like, ah, this is what it was like to run for activities coordinator in the student body <laughs> in fifth grade. Well, did you go door to door? I went classroom to classroom. Whoa. Does that count? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Hey, that's interesting because, you know, uh, not meaning to go down the rabbit hole or something. I caught a film that I missed the first time around, um, and I just saw again. Have you ever seen Election? Yes. This film from 1999. Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. What an interesting, weird, dark film. You should see that. I mean, if if your high school was like that, see this movie. You will totally relate. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. The performances are great. This is because this is before Reese got... Uh, famous, yeah. Mm. Reese, Reese Witherspoon is playing the high school senior. Yeah, but uh, this is not at all a documentary. We shouldn't even be talking. No. About <laughs> Stop the podcast. Hey, McGuffins. Rachel Wong here. Just wanted to let you know about Character Media, an Asian American magazine that covers everything Asian American, from celebrity profiles to podcast reviews. That's right. They did a nice little piece on the McGuffin Report, and you should go check out charactermedia.com. Take a look at the article about the McGuffin Report. And while you're there, check out the other Asian American stories that you can't find anywhere else. I think you'll like it. On with the show. All right, Free Solo. It's available on Hulu, and also you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Uh, a beautifully photographed documentary about Alex Honnold, I believe that's how you pronounce it, or Honald. Well, let's go with Honnold, and his obsession to do something nobody has done before, scale El Capitan with nothing but chalk and a fanny pack. This 2018 documentary won the Best Documentary Feature in 2019. It was directed by E. Che or Chai Vassil- Vassarelli, or something like that, and photographed oh, by Varshahe. Oh, it's a Varshahe. It's, it's a Hungarian. Name. Oh, yes, okay. mysterious oh. Hungarian alert. Yes, oh. she's half Hungarian. The last time I saw a Hungarian in a movie was Usual Suspects, and they were all bad people. That's right. It was directed by <laughs> Ishai Vasare, 
you know, they should just do what the Polish did and just shorten, shorten their last names of Vasa. Yeah, Vasa. You yeah. know, that'd be great. Anyhow, and photographed by renowned cinematographer Jimmy Chin. Of National Geographic. Oh, is he from National Geographic? Yeah. I did not know that. I thought they were just buddies. But anyhow. Uh, Rachel. They're partners. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that, that part I know. They're buddies? Yeah. Is that what buddies, you thought? Yeah. This is my buddy this here when you buddy. walk into a dinner party. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go climb. Hey, buddy, can you shoot me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, how did you feel about Free Solo? I loved Free Solo. Um, I'm a huge nerd about Yosemite, Yosemite Valley, and um, just watching it was a lot of fun. I'm really bummed and disappointed that I missed it in the theater because that oh, would have been yeah, freaking yeah. awesome in IMAX. Um, right. So what I did was, with my brand new TV, I just watched it really close. <laughs> it's pretty similar, right? Yeah. Right? Um, I had a lot of fun. It's definitely gripping. Like If you are a nervous person, you will be sweaty by the end of it. Um, the scenery was beautiful. I, you know, after watching Knock Down the House, there wasn't like, you know, political parties and hard opinions to like push. So I was just, you know, this was a lot more like, okay, I can just kind of sit back and not have to, you know, try to parse whether something is, you know, being pushed one way or another and just enjoy it. Um, but I, I thought it was beautiful. I've watched it, I think, three times now oh, wow whether really? it's just watching it on my own or showing up I, the other two times was showing friends or family oh okay. and sitting with them and being like look at this um especially just being a yosemite nerd and um i i do a little bit of rock climbing so i can kind of relate but it was just fun watching that and then watching a lot of the behind the scenes stuff or mm -hmm. interviews showing where he's you know where he's hidden his water bottles so he's like climbing up and taking breaks and stuff yeah it's just yeah it was fun it was fun. And I'm a Jimmy Chin fan, so that was awesome. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I thought it was interesting. I mean, yeah, the, the number one thing going for this film is the look of it. And um, we've talked a lot about various fears on this program before. You know, like uh, we talked about lupinophobia, right? Jordan Peele's mm. fear of rabbits. We've talked about my own Keanophobia. <laughs> and uh, this movie is not one for those who have vertigo or claustrophobia. Uh, fears that's for sure if you want to see this at IMAX make sure you don't get vertigo because you will feel it in yeah. this movie oh, man. I mean you're looking down on some stuff or up sometimes yeah. at this guy and he's clinging by his fingertips you know this kind of stuff but on the other hand you know there, there's I mean one thing that bugged me uh, was all the reality TV bits I mean when he's talking <laughs> with his girlfriend about their relationship <laughs> come on the, the um, what did yeah, they call it? Verita, Verita. Yeah, I, well, okay, they the used to is. call this cinema verite, but yeah, that verite, refers to yes. stuff like Bicycle Thief and, and things like that, you know, not reality verite, you know, which is not verite at all, you know, so so I didn't like that very much. And, and you know, the truth is some of the suspense is lost, right? Because you know this guy isn't going to die. Mm -hmm. you, you know he's going to make it. I wouldn't watch it if I and, didn't know it was going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> Did you, of course. Did, you, did you see the, that bit like that they showed of another climber going up yeah. that had a parachute pack and then yeah. he drops and then you're like, yeah. uh, uh, guys, guys, what's happening? It's yeah. like he pulls the parachute and you're like, oh, yeah. that was yeah. the worst yeah. part. Yeah. But then they have that great title card right after where it shows that he did die yeah. at another time. At another time, <laughs> right. at another right. ascent. Right, right, right. Um, so, so in that respect, you know, and, and plus it, it was kind of a minus because the central character, you know, I mean, look, he, he, he's an antisocial guy. He's not one of these, you know, he's not real um, out there. He's not an extrovert. And, and you not know, AOC. he gets to the top spoilers. He gets to the top and, and, you know, it's like, I feel great. I'm smiling. You know, and it's yeah. like. You, you're overstating that. He got to the top and, and said, I'm delighted. Yeah, 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 <laughs> delighted. He kept saying that, you know, and, and yeah, there's some aspect to I'm gobstopped, you know, I can't explain how I'm feeling, yeah, yeah. But, but this guy is just, he wasn't that kind of guy that's going to capture the camera, you know, mm. otherwise, unless he was insane. And, and the other thing that I really have is that, like, I got this weird thing about, like, you know, folks who climb Everest, folks who do this, folks who go to the moon, like mm -hmm. astronauts, it's like, dude, there's a reason why humans don't live there. Because we're not supposed to, you know, yeah. deep sea diving. That's another one. It's just like, wow. Yeah. I saw, I saw Everest, 
you saw this one. That was one of the very first IMAX movies, I think, was called Everest. Uh And it was about climbing Everest. I mean, it's this same thing. And that's when it hit me. It's just like, these guys are crazy. Oh, yeah. It's like, why are you? Because it's there? That's why you're doing it? Somebody's got to do it. But on the whole, I mean, wow, this is a pretty interesting documentary. Um, You know, I can nitpick it, but I can nitpick anything. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, like... Having said earlier that I don't like documentaries, I like these kind of documentaries where it's about yeah, I, no I agenda. Say, so, yeah, like mm-hmm. there's no agenda involved. It's uh, it's kind of about sports. Yeah, to begin yeah. with, you know, and he is, and I, I've known about uh, Alex. That's his name, right? Alex Honold, uh, Honold, whatever Honold, 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 Honold. I've known about him because I saw a 60 Minutes feature. Oh yeah, uh, that was a few years back, and I thought he he came off great in the 60 Minutes feature because he didn't talk much. In this one, <laughs> he had to, he was forced to talk, and I'm sure. Whoever's in the production team was like, dude, you got to talk. Like, you got you to talk. And so him talking, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's really socially awkward. And he, he admits that he's socially awkward. Um, I thought he had um, the worst girlfriend ever. Sorry. Because oh. she knew. Really? Yeah, because she knew what, what she was getting into. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. Yeah, she wanted And at the uh. same time. But the thing is, at the same time, I understand where she's coming from sure. in the sense that she doesn't want him to die. And I get that. But like you, her knowing that, you can't be passive aggressive and tell him these things the day before, <laughs> the night before he's going to climb or that he might climb. And then, you know, I honestly believe but, that one time when he goes, you know what, I'm over it, and he, he left, I, I, I imagine that she was in his head because, you know, uh, she, the night before, she's like saying, like, Stuff like, do you have to go? Do you have to? Do, you don't have to do this. But and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's the nuttiest thing. Um, yeah, to me, her, she was. But, but, but I get me, her though. But Walter, but Walter, how much of that was played up by the people, you know, leaning on the reality TV ethic? How much of mm. this was okay, guys? Um, we need to fill 15 minutes, so have a conversation. Uh, do tell me that thing that you told me last night. Say it again. I know? think. How I much think, of it is that? Yeah, I think there's part to that, but I also. You know, having studied psychology at the University of Southern California and staying at and stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, I feel like I could read her face. <laughs> she is that kind of person. Street creds, guys. Yeah, I feel like she is that kind of person. Like, like whether the producers told her to do, say that stuff or not, um, whether she was coached to say it, I feel like she's that kind she of person. She's the girl with the heart on her sleeve, and she will tell you exactly what she's thinking and. But in a very s- subtle, passive-aggressive way, she's really good at that. It's like she's really good. I was seeing it all. And I'm like, oh wow, you can't do that to him because he's going to climb tomorrow morning. And of course, he didn't climb. He stopped. Probably for the better. Yeah. And then on the second climb, notice she wasn't there. Uh, she, you know, and, she and left. He, yeah, yeah. And he she even made the said, choice to get out. Yeah. She was like, I knew that you know that was not a time for me to be there yes finally like finally she you know she got the memo she got she got the memo (laughs) Uh, i also do think that there was one of the greatest lines ever in the history of documentaries delivered by i think his name's mike he's one of the cameramen is when he said when when uh, alex was at this one part where it's like the largest crack in 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 the oh yeah and he goes and he says the most magnificent crack on planet earth yes and i thought wow that's amazing what a great line well the dude never saw new jack city right yeah (laughs) (laughs) of course now why would he but you know um that that the i thought what what they could have done um to make when that when that final climb uh, more impactful with the crew is, is I, I wish they would have uh, shown more interaction with the crew because when, when Mike, I think, no, it wasn't Mike, it was another guy who wasn't, he kept looking away. He couldn't look. Yeah. And he's like, how are you yeah. guys looking yeah. at this? That was, it was impactful, yeah. but it wasn't, it could have been more impactful if we felt that we knew the crew. Yeah. And then they showed, I think they decided at the end, hey guys, this is great stuff. And then they started showing the crew, the meeting together, right. but that was too late. Yeah. I thought they showed from the beginning the interactions with Alex that they were really buddies and they're all really good friends. Mm-hmm. But then they say one line while they're walking up, oh, they're all good friends. And they, con-. I'm yeah. like, okay, like we need to see that. Too much girlfriend, not enough crew. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the girlfriend. And I think she's a sweet lady and all that, but I just thought not the most supportive. Uh, and, and, and especially with a guy like Alex where he's so introverted and I feel like he's so heady. Like, and the, I, I got to say, I'm not good friends with heights. And <laughs> there's there a there was a few scenes where he's up there and a bird one a bird flies by. Yeah, yeah. I would that's I would have that died. I would have yeah. died. Like at that point, I would have died. And then he's looking at he he has he's so calm. He can look at the camera and joke around with the camera. And I thought this guy is crazy. My hands and feet were 
totally sweaty. I had to turn my fan on See? and put my feet and hands in uh, in the path of the fan. Um, At the IMAX, it's one of those white knuckle movies. I, would sure. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. But yeah, but documentary wise, yeah, I think they could have done some things to kind of fine tune the drama a little bit. Yeah. But I, but I enjoy the, you know, and I know who Alex is, so I knew he was going to make it because I thought if if he fell, I would have known about it because I, of I, course, I follow the guy's name. But I can see for the casual person who doesn't follow any like Alex or any, they they watch it and they'll be like, who's this guy? I haven't heard anything about him. They may not know. And there's that drama. Um, but for me, the the sweatiness was because of the heights. And when that bird flew by, I was because one thing with heights, when you don't get along with heights, what a lot of people don't or understand birds. is that when you see something that you know is uh, really tall and high, and you see it at eye level, that affects you. Yeah, yeah, that affects yeah. you. And also, what people don't know is that when you could be on the ground, when you look up, and you can see the depth of something or at the height of something, that also affects you in a similar way as if you were up high. So when they had those shots that were looking up and down, I was like, okay. Yeah, you know, I know it's necessary, but like enough of this. <laughs> Let's go to close-ups. Yeah, whenever I'm in the valley and I look at El Cap, I never really grasp fully like how large it is until the sun starts setting and you see the lights on uh, going up the pitch, and you realize there are people climbing it yeah. to try to get there by you know the next day or whatever, and you're mm. just like, oh, that is how big it is because that is a person up there with their headlight. And that is what that tiny pinprick wow. of light is. Because you don't even, like, you can barely see it. It's so small. And you're like, did I Did I just, is something wrong with my retina? Yeah. Like, did I just see, like, a flash or something or, like, a floater in my eye? No, there's, like, a person up there or a bunch of people up yeah. there. And they're, like, camping out and, like, hooking their tents up and everything. That's crazy. Uh, you know, I think one thing they could have done, which they didn't do, is they kind of did it when Alex was doing his final climb. But, you know, they kept showing uh, El Capitan and then they kept drawing the line yeah. of like his path. Yeah. I wish they would have had a scale person on there to yeah. see, to show us how yeah. tall it is. Because yeah. I don't, I've been to El Capitan like when I was a kid. So I don't really remember it uh, too much as an adult. I wish they would have shown like a little thing like this is an average person and like showing like, and this is El Capitan. Yeah. Because they just did the path and I'm like, well, I wish they would have framed the whole movie like that, to be honest. I mm-hmm. wish they would have framed the whole movie around the climb up the hill. Mm-hmm. You know, start at the beginning and then flashback and then fill in the gaps. Because I was waiting, oh, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. I was waiting 80 minutes for the last 10, 15 minutes, which is all anybody wants in yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. is, is that climbing bit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, the training is interesting and all that stuff. But, you know, it's like watching practice. You want to watch yeah, the game. You do. You want to watch the game. And you know what? I, one interesting thing. I just wanted to get this in there because I'm sure we're going to wrap this pretty soon. One thing I wanted to get this in there is, you know, this documentary has received a lot of accolades. It even won like best sport film. Oh wow! At a couple <laughs> they of they got the Oscar. Uh, yeah, at a couple of competitions. Yeah, it won the Oscar for best documentary. It won the BAFTA for best documentary over there in Britain. And uh, but uh, but I'll tell you what, it's one of the few documentaries I can think of that has documentaries about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Seriously, how many documentaries have making of documentaries? But they do. You can go wow. on YouTube and you can catch some short films about the making of this, about making this scene even. See, maybe the, they should have, what uh, they should have done was waited to release it, cut some of those other documentaries well, into it about the crew. Yeah. And then yeah. take out See, some of the verite moments with uh, Sonny. I, I yeah. almost wondered with all the time and resources and money, because this was big budget, that they didn't just make it into a series. I mean, it's National Geographic, right? And you could have still had one film, but you also could have had a whole miniseries on yeah. this thing. Easy. You could have done the, the history of the sport and had other stories and whatnot. I and mean, there was so much here. And I mean, it's evidenced by the fact that now they're doing documentaries about the making of this movie. Yeah. You know, there's so much there. They had to make new technology for this movie. It's like a James Cameron at this point. That's the only other wow. filmmaker I've ever heard of where you had to do that. You had to make new technology. The microphones had to be like, you know, very long range and, mm, yeah. and lightweight. And they had to, you know, stay and all that crap. So they actually had to invent new microphones for this movie. And it's just like, wow, you'd think that you'd want to throw this thing everywhere. You'd make a... 10 you know episode series out of it and stuff so they do that with a lot of movies like the pixar movies for example like every pixar movie they put out there's always new technology yeah yeah yeah. i mean those those camera guys deserve every award because when i saw oh yeah hanging and technically it's an amazing movie (laughs) and that's your friend up there it's not like an actor or anything or a stunt guy that's your friend up there that's that's the part i thought that they should have touched more on 
because then everyone's fully invested in this. Yeah. It's not just, this is a job. Mm-hmm. This is my friend that's climbing this yeah. and he could fall. I think they left some material on the floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure they left tons because he was mm. training for about a year and a half, I think. I yeah. Wanted, yeah, I wanted yeah, to see. Yeah, he trained for a year and a half. I wanted to see his training, other than practicing, like climbing El Capitan with rope. I wanted to see his training, and he they showed his, his the oh on the fingerboard, the, the hangboard, yeah. the fingerboard, yeah, hangboard. Yeah, I wanted to see stuff like that because the fact that he's doing that on the tips of his fingers, yeah, he's your able tensile to pull, strength yeah. is incredible yeah. <laughs> to pull. And you know, one thing about him that I, I know about because I saw other stuff with him is his hands are huge. Because he's of a the, tall guy, isn't he? Um, well, it's not. It's not just the, the, his height. It's because he uses his fingers so much, and they've gotten so buff. They've gotten bigger, <laughs> and so his hands are really big. And I think it's things like that where yeah. people that don't climb, like I think, would find interesting. Mm-hmm. Climbers may already know. Oh yeah, like he's got big hands. Oh, all climbers do. Well, but for non-climbers, they, we don't know that. Yeah. But his hands are supposed to be huge, and I would have loved to have seen how strong his hands are. Compared to like a regular person, yeah, I don't think the hangboards do it justice. No, like you know, no, especially like they told like there is what he did right after yeah. he finished <laughs> his free solo. But yeah, they could have put something like that in after his um, fMRI. Yeah, like showing how his brain is different. It's like, well, what about like his hands? What about like his forearm strength? Yeah. You know, they should have let him uh, run the course on American Ninja. Yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> that would be fascinating. I'm sure they. I'm sure the producers are heckling him for that, but he's probably just not interested. Yeah, I wouldn't you, be surprised that's if this all story. dude. This You'd dude has got to have reality TV deals coming in through his, ma- right. his mail slot these oh, days. Yeah. I mean, Survivor. They they'd kill to have this guy on Survivor oh if that God. show is still on the air. But he's so socially um, awkward. But yeah, he'll, he'll, he's he's, refu- so he's going much, no, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. He's gotten time. so much better though. Like I was watching press interviews with him, like after you know the movie came out and after they won the oscar and it's just like he's so fluid with the way he speaks he's like it's just like rock climbing you just keep doing it and you can get better at it like like he tells he's telling the audience like i used to not be able to like talk and look look at people in the eye and here i am sitting on stage with a microphone like this is insane but it's just like anything else you do it a lot you get better it's fine yeah what one thing is you you rock climb a little bit you said right? a little bit yeah so you know there's that one part where he has to put his feet up against uh the the, the wall or the, whatever the side and then he's with his hands he's got to push mm. down so, so he can have leverage and he could he could stay balanced on 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 the the face of the cliff but where his hands are it's like I think a quarter of an inch where he's holding on to and I'm all I'm always thinking what if it breaks. <laughs> oh, it can. Yeah, and I'm and like he's it's in the grand. middle, and it's... I'm sweating now thinking about it. <laughs> like, like you know when he's on the when he's on the the most magnificent crack on planet Earth. <laughs> there's parts where he's holding on. Is that the Teflon crack? Yeah, and like I feel yeah, like, like that. Yeah, he, what if it breaks? No, it totally can, and that's actually one of the reasons why he decided not to cl- ascend that first time when he turned around and uh-huh. he went back and told his mentor, like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm not doing it today. So that was in the fall. Was it in the fall? And apparently it's like a lot safer to do it in the spring, not just because of the, <laughs> the way the sun, sun yeah. is hitting everything, but like um, this was a couple years ago. Actually, it wasn't El Cap. It was Half Dome. There were some hikers that got killed because a slab from Half Dome had come off. By the way, speaking of his mentor, sorry, real quick. Speaking of his mentor, what a jerk he is. Uh, Why? <laughs> Why? Man, you're teeing off. He, no, because he's so <laughs> passive aggressive about you know all these cameras and all that. You know, like yeah, when I did it, I didn't have any cameras. Blah, oh blah, blah. Yeah, And I was yeah, like, dude, yeah, really? Yeah, he's yeah, gonna climb yeah, tomorrow, yeah. dude. Clearly, yeah. it's a production. What, what's he gonna do? You know what, guys? I know there's all this money on the table, and I know there's money for you guys. But you know what? My mentor said, hey, let, let's not do this with the cameras. Yeah. Like, dude, him, him, and the girlfriend. I honestly thought should be should have been locked away. During, when he once he decided I'm gonna do El Capitan, he should have locked his mentor and yeah, he should have locked the mentor. Lock him away with AOC. Yeah, oh, yeah, that'd okay. been great. That'd been great. Hashtag lock her up. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Or, or, go, or go, go back to your country. Whichever, whichever, <laughs> however you want to do it. That's terrible. Um, to your point, it was funny. Sonny, the girlfriend, was the only point in the documentary where I was like, oh. This is not objective. Like it was clear the filmmakers had an opinion on her, especially the last shot where she was like. <laughs> Are you gonna keep doing this? I and know. he was like, "Yeah," and like, like cut back to her right away, like to see her all salty and like uh, we don't even know if that was her actual reaction afterwards, but that was what they put. That's what they that's cut. That's what in. they cut to. Yeah, it was just really funny. 
some fun facts about it. So actually, like once uh, the last few hundred feet is apparently like a piece of cake for climbers. Like once you get past like the Teflon corner and the rest of all of those p- really difficult pitches. So Alex and Jimmy actually race to the top, hmm. which I think is incredibly dangerous because <laughs> you're higher than ever. But, you know, this these guys like they're professional climbers. So why not make a race out of it? Um, apparently... Uh, not only is Alex one of the best climbers in the world, he's also one of the fastest climbers. Hmm. So anyone that was up there shooting off of the ground with him had to also be incredibly in shape because they had to keep oh, up yeah. with this guy. Because, you know, there's that part of the documentary where they're like, oh, where is he? He's like, oh, shoot, he's already up there. Yeah. Like he, people do this in, they they spend about three days summiting El Cap to get to, get to the top of El Cap. He did it in less, under four hours. Yeah. <laughs> With no rope. With no rope. And just some chalk. Yeah. And his chalk bag. <laughs> and a little tiny microphone. Yes, yeah. and a tiny microphone. <laughs> it's, but it's funny. Um, I found out that after, they in the Verite portion, they show that Alex and Sonny are buying a home in Vegas, probably to be close to the Red Rocks. Um, but mm. even after the dock was done, he still lives in his van nine months out of the year. I imagine. But he's sponsored by he's been sponsored by North Face for a long time. Yeah. So he wore a North Face tux to the Oscars. Fun fact. Oh wow. North Face tux. Yeah. Wow. Me, they made a tux just for him. Me being a label whore, I would totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the best crack in the world, though. Yeah, that's, the most, that's, magnif- that's most magnificent that, crack. That's that's notable. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We all like went and picked our top three favorite documentaries this week. Um, Free Solo is one of mine. Um, I love Icarus. That's also on Netflix. That's about the uh, Russian Olympic doping scandal. Um, it's really interesting because the documentary starts out one way and it takes this completely different turn. Yeah, that's the one about the bike rider. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who was like, yeah. let's see how far I can get if yeah. I dope. And then he meets this Russian doctor who is like the head of the doping scandal for the rush <laughs> yeah. for the Olympics in Russia. And they're like, well, this is not a documentary about what we thought it was going to be now. And it gets just really insane. Like they have to like hide and everything because they think Russia's coming after them. Um I also love that documentary. This is all, I think it's also on Netflix, the 13th. Really impactful, really powerful about the 13th Amendment. Oh, yes. Um, and then right. those are my top three. I'd like to also give, out, sh- give shout outs to Dark Horse. It, this is a UK documentary about um, a racehorse. Um, Wild Wild Country. That's a series about the, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it right now. The cult in Oregon, though. Um, and then the Fire Festival documentaries, both of them yeah. on Hulu and Netflix, are great. <laughs> Schadenfreude a plenty oh in those things. Goodness. Oh my god! Yes, watch funny. that if you. I just was want laughing it. out loud right. at all of these rich kids on the beach, you know, sleeping in water. Insane! Insane! Um, and this isn't a documentary, but shout out now to the documentary now people because those are freaking hilarious. <laughs> the <laughs> they're wit- parodies. They're parodies on documentaries. Um, uh. Fred Armisen, Bill Hader, uh, Seth Meyers, they're kind of like, they're the writers and producers of Uh it. Um, But they have one called Batshit Valley, and it's about that cult in Oregon Mm -hmm. that Uh. uh, it's based on Wild Wild Country, and they have Owen Wilson as like the head cult leader. (laughs) These are so, they're so freaking funny. They're not true though. Like, don't don't be my don't be like my dad. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you true. what. That's <laughs> that's a huge cottage industry right now. The mockumentary. Yes. Um, Netflix has a very good one available right now. I believe it's Netflix. It might be Amazon, but you should check this out because it would drive you bananas. It's called the history of time travel. You've got to see oh. it. It will. You will not be able to wrap your head around it. I can't wait to see what your brain looks like after oh, you see it, okay. Walter. You've got to see it's it. It's on Netflix? Yeah, I think That's so. Interesting. It's the history of time travel. Yeah, because it's a documentary about the guys who invent time travel. And then, and then reinvent it, and then reinvent it, and then, re- <laughs> you know? It's, it's wild. Walter, you're going to go okay. bananas. Mine are going to be a little bit different than I think the rest of yours. My, my favorite documentaries are basically anything from Warren Miller. Uh, which is like Endless Summer. Uh, I love Laird, about Laird Hamilton. Uh, I just love watching Waves. But Warren Miller's, I like I like his skiing and snowboarding ones as well. But to me, like, I mean, yeah, there's no real, like, quote-unquote story because they're just showing people surf and, and, and ski and snowboard. But to me, like, that's like, 
my favorite form of documentary, if anything, because there's no sure, ag- great. The, the agenda is to go outside and to go ski, to go uh, surf, to go snowboard. Um, but with Laird, uh, you really learn about this guy that people before Laird, people knew who he was because he was in the the um, cult classic North Shore with Nia Peoples. He was the uh, Laird was the bad guy. You just knew him as the bad guy, but um, we didn't know that he was this world like globally famous uh, big wave surfer. But in Laird, you learn about his background. You learn about him. So that's one of my favorite ones. And I really like Laird Hamilton just for what he stands for and just how he literally just surfs just to surf, even though he's, he makes money from it. He, he just surfs just to surf. And uh, the joy uh, that he has, like there's this great story where his friend got cut by um, one of the fins of a surfboard oh, in his oh thigh. God. And the, the conditions were horrible, but the waves were apparently perfect. Like there was fog. It was just it was raining. It was bad conditions. He went out, took off his wetsuit, and he's naked. Took off his wetsuit, tied the wet wetsuit around his friend's thigh. Someone recognized Laird Hamilton and goes, "Dude, here, here's some shorts," because he's running around naked. <laughs> Gives him shorts. Ambulance comes, and Laird goes, "Hey, I know you're gonna understand, but I'm gonna go back out to surf." And his friend's like, "Yeah, dude, yeah, dude cool. totally, <laughs> yeah, totally." Like you know, like and he got it, he got it, and I thought. <laughs> That's how singularly focused Laird Hamilton is, you know, uh, but that, that's like the stuff I, I like that kind of documentary uh, as far as like the other ones were like the political ones or like Mike, is it Mike, Michael Moore, all that. But like, I like these sport ones, uh, even some of the ESPN 30 by 30s. I don't like watching because I feel like there's an agenda. Mm. If there's like a mystery involved, I, I don't like that. Well, stuff. June 17th, 1994 is incredible on ESPN oh, is that one good? 30. But like, you know, Lakers versus Celtics. There's no agenda. It's just you're just showing Lakers versus Celtics. Yeah, yeah I like stuff like that. But that, those would be like my favorite ones. Uh, okay, let's talk top three documentaries. There's no way I can do top three. I will say this. It's okay, though. I didn't either. Walter, Walter stole my thunder a bit earlier. The best documentary movie of all time, no, no questions, is Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams follows the story of two young kids, um, two, I guess they start as junior high kids, Poor kids, inner city Chicago, playing basketball. Now, as I understand it, um, now a lot of the high school kids play AAU ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a lot more organized than it used to be. But this is like playground stuff. This is the industry of big high school basketball. No joke. This is the industry of college recruiting. And this movie says more just about the race situation in America than any movie that deliberately tries to. Wow. Just by being there. Just by being there. And the thing about Hoop Dreams is this. It takes place over, I think, seven years, yeah. ultimately. Most of it is time. focused on the four years of high school. But they also do some at the beginning and some at the end because, you know, you find out what happens to these kids. And unless you're a huge basketball fan, you don't know. Yeah. So unlike most documentaries where you know what's going to happen because and, and one of the great things about this movie is it feels like a fiction. There's twists that you don't expect. There's there's you know, they say that like life is not a movie. This is the closest thing to it, you know, because life is boring and, you know, there's one third of it is you sleeping and stuff like this. But this wow, the movie best part of life. Yeah, this movie, <laughs> this movie comes close. It feels like you have full access. And at the same time, it feels like there's an actual story going on at the same time. It's wild. And, and, and you see, you know, here's another one they did making of of this documentary yeah. film. Um, and they talk about how, yeah, they would just show up like once every eight months or something. But something was always happening that could move the story forward. Like, for example, one of the kids has a father who's just like, you know, he's the inner city father. He's off and on with, you know either religion or selling crack on the streets. And, you know, so one time they're away from him for like six months and they come back and there's this one day and he's playing at the park and they show his dad and his dad just happens to be there dealing crack in the alley. And they just happen to catch him on camera. But it's stuff like that that makes that movie magical. Mm -hmm. It makes it seem like they were really there every day for five years, even though they weren't. Um, And it's just, again, it just says so much about life and everything. And the movie is like 320. It's like three hours, 20 minutes, but it feels wow. like an hour. It's so fat. You're just so engrossed in these stories and you do not know what's going to happen next. And it's just like every, every 10 minutes is a mind blower in this movie. Best movie. ever. I believe that Roger Ebert called it uh, the best film of the 80s. 
I know he, he said it was the best film in 1986 or 85, whichever year it came out. So, I mean, just an excellent, excellent movie, whether you like basketball or not. Let's see. What are some of the other ones I've got here? Uh, Super Size Me, I really liked. Um, and I also really liked Super High Me, which was, which was a spinoff on Oh, that. do tell. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like Michael Moore's films, if only because of his style. I like his meandering. I like his really subjective style. I like how he uncovers stuff. I liked Manufacturing Consent a lot, which is all about both uh, Noam Chomsky's life uh, and his philosophy and the way he does media analysis. Uh, speaking of life stories, I loved Life Itself, which was the Robert, Roger Ebert uh, documentary um, as he was dying basically but it also tells the whole story of his life uh in film criticism and and even before that um and it's just yeah really dramatic stuff with with him slowly passing away at the end great movie of course grizzly man how can you not love this movie as you guys have not seen this movie what is that oh my god it's about this dude who just decides to live with a bear that's what i thought it might be yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's you got to see it. I mean, this is the most unintentionally hilarious movie of all time. And you can guess the ending right now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, Blood in the Face is a great one. This one's about white supremacists. I thought that was a really good movie. Um, Lost in La Mancha, which is about Terry Gilliam and Johnny Depp trying to make uh, Don Quixote. Don Quixote? Oh, yeah. my gosh. And it turns out to be Quixotic. Uh, there's a very good one called My Best Fiend which is about the strange relationship between Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski, who did several movies together in the 60s and 70s, uh, including the story about how Herzog pulled a gun on Kinski and threatened to kill him if he didn't finish the scene that they were shooting. You know, I mean, to me, just documentaries... Just a couple good ones you like. Yeah, just to me, <laughs> documentaries are... Since they do have the agenda, since they do have the subject, they're really individual in terms of taste. Um... And I think that to see, I mean, I mean, okay. So the one thing about this movie that we saw, the uh, free solo, is that you know, um, the style isn't mind blowing, right? There's there's only a few ways you can do documentaries, really. Like they all kind of look the same, so you're not really there for like the style. You're there more for the for the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that movies work that way. I don't think fiction works that way right this is a movie about superheroes right that's not enough to bring you there right you want more than that but with a documentary yeah the subject matter is you know smoking marijuana okay you know there's a certain group of people that's going to go see that um so it's highly individualistic however i would say that hoop dreams is the gold standard i mean documentary makers watch this film to learn how to do documentaries i mean it's a mind blower it's film where can we find that Hoop Dream, that's a good I that's a good question. Oh, I don't know, but it's gotta be out there. I mean, it's a it's now a thirty-three year old film, so it must be widely available Somewhere. on the usual yeah. stuff. Yeah. You can buy I mean it's worth a buy, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, it's that good if if you're a collector. It it should be in your shelf. I mean, it's a top hundred movie of the twentieth century, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, as somebody that doesn't like, you know, purport to like love documentaries, I'm always like, eh, nah, it's fine. But like, again, when I talk to people about documentaries and I start like name dropping documentaries, I'm like, I do watch documentaries <laughs> and I will keep watching documentaries, especially if there's something really interesting that comes up. This has been the MacGuffin Report with Rachel Wong, Oz Davis, Walter Hall. Produced by Inclusive Media.